No. So, how many are feeling good today? Good, good, a good number of you. Are you, uh, well, we would say in the old days, you know, I'll talk like an old timer, do you have the victory? And some folks knew what that meant and others are still learning. You have the victory means you're, you're doing good. You do, your walk, you know, your walk is good. You're, you're feeling it. You're, some days you don't, you don't necessarily feel you have the victory. Right? One of those mornings was for me, the morning. So it didn't, I had, I was, I was okay, but there's this, this, mm, I don't know why I was a little bit dragging. But you know what? The Lord is always comes through for us. You know, what I've learned is we can be honest enough to say, you know, I need prayer or I need, uh, I need something from the Lord. So I was really excited to hear um, my, my friend's text this morning. Who I really, um, he, he built my house. I got to, to started getting to know him 20, 25 years ago. And he was, uh, I could tell then he was, he was uh, try, trying to grow in his faith. He maybe had some uh, hurts. He maybe had some things, whatever he was working through. But I just watched him over the years as we worked together in certain jobs, and he'd call me for a foundation or whatever. And, and then, 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 we, then we begin to understand we, each of us has musical, musical desire and musical uh, instruments. And so... We begin to click that way, and, 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 and he calls me last week. Yeah, I've been in the hospital uh, staples for a few days, and then he called me back. They, they transferred me to St. Cloud, and I think, oh, my goodness, this is very hard to breathe. And then the text this morning is saying that he's starting to get through it, and it's been 18, I think, 18 days in the hospital. So I don't know why some people really, really get it and go through an awful Time and others have hardly. I don't know that, but I knew that I, he kept saying, "The Lord's the Lord's going to bring me through this," and we're believing for that. And you may have people in your lives and, that are struggling in some way. Keep standing in the gap. Keep praying. Keep believing. Keep bringing them before the Lord. God works through the prayers of His people. God is so good to touch us. And remember, as Paul's letter. Uh, he wrote to Timothy, his, his young, he called him his son. He called him his, uh, was a kind of a special kindred spirit. He said in another, another place, that he had no one like Timothy with a kindred, genuine spirit. And what do you sense? I'm sensing that Paul, I had no one else that I could really trust to put in place for this ministry. And so thank God for young people, young women, young, young or whatever age. God touches their hearts. You begin to step out and lead others in the right direction. So today I'm going to call this message Finishing Strong. It really has to do with Paul's uh, very word that he spoke at the end of this chapter, I fought the good fight, I finished the course. What he, what he had in his mind, he knew the end for his life on this earth was near, but he knew also that he had gave it all, he gave it all he had. 
that he was, had no regrets, that he absolutely when it came down to all was said and done, he knew there was his reward awaited him. And so we win. With Jesus, we win. We win in the end. Yes, we are in a battle now, but we're going to win this thing. Jesus will come back and fight the battle of all times. As we know, Revelation speaks about a great battle, battle of Armageddon. He's going to end all of it. He's going to establish his kingdom. We get to be a part of that. And it begins now. You start your life with Jesus. You start to walk with him. You have a future like none other can ever give you. No one on this life can, get, can give you a future like Jesus. So Paul's kind of wrapping up with some thoughts as we get down to the fourth chapter. He's already emphasized in chapter 3 about the importance of, of the scripture that is inspired by God. And I believe that every word was inspired by God as we read. Every word is still living and active. And sometimes, as I mentioned, I'm just reading through the Bible. I'm in Ezekiel. Sometimes you just get, wow, this is really... This is really tough to understand. Then all of a sudden you, you run across a verse that says, and he looked for a man who would stand, up, stand in the gap, and he could not find one. And it just grips my heart. Couldn't he find anyone? Wasn't there even one, and he couldn't find one. This tells us something. God can change situations even with one. Just one man or one woman that's takes on the calling of the burden to be an intercessor. And so when it comes down to Paul was an intercessor, he prayed, he prayed for much of the ministry that he had, has began. He prayed for their ministry to continue. He prayed for the peoples. He named the names. And I like how he says, I mentioned. Which tells me I don't have to go into a long, lengthy, try to get God's attention, try to Try to somehow arouse him and just mention their names. And Paul's prayers were heard. That's good news for us. You can mention people's names while you're on the workplace. You can mention people when you get a thought, you're going down the road, you can mention needs. Are you with me? This is this is what I what I what I would say. This is walking the the talk. This is being, this is who we are in Christ. Because the closer you get to the Lord, the more he puts in your heart what's on his heart. And he gives us insight. And so, Paul is mentioning to Timothy at fourth chapter, as he's wrapping up his thoughts, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God. And he's just, he's, he's giving him a charge. He's giving him an assignment. He's commissioning Timothy. And notice how he says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge the living, of the living and dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. So this battle that you, are, you and I are in, this kingdom that we are talking about, It's past all other kingdoms. It outshines any other 
building any other empire in this old world. It is nothing. You can think of the grandest place on this earth. It's nothing. At the end of this message, I'm going to share a little bit about an uncle that I, that I was with as he passed into eternity. My wife and I were with him. That's been a long time ago already. But he was in the ministry. His name was Bartlett. He was in the ministry as a young man. God called him from the boondocks of North of Pillager. And some of you would re- recall the place of Casino. That's my wife's home church, that community. It's basically an Assemblies of God church now left in Cornfield County. But the church is thriving. It's one of the oldest assemblies of God church. If, the, if not, I know Brainerd says, we're the oldest. Cassini said, no, we're the oldest in the state. But that's where my Uncle Bartlett found the Lord was through that little fellowship and through the revival that was hap- happening. And he was studying for law school. He was a brilliant man. could write poetry. And he made it, he made the, accepted the call to ministry. And later in his ministry, he actually joined the, the uh, patrol. He became a patrolman. He was, he was with the, as a police officer just to get into the community. And so when we talk about evangelism, when we talk about reaching out, when we talk about proclaiming the word of God, it first must come through our lifestyle and who are, we are as a person in Christ in us. And it's not a show. It's not something we have to do. It's something we begin to do because it's a part of us. It seems natural. So as Paul is encouraging Timothy, preach this word, preach the word. What is the word? Preach the word, the word, the message, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is He's the one who resurrects us. He preached the word, be ready in season and out of season. See, there's a time to speak and a time not to speak. And God, the Holy Spirit, can help us know when we ought to do one or the other. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience. Now, Paul is talking to a young pastor in the church. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. Oh, thank you, Jesus. How patient is our God? You think about the things in your own life, how patient God is with you and I. Patience. God is long-suffering. The day will come. The day will come when he will judge. Paul's his concern is in the, in the third verse coming up as I read, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, wanting to have their ears tickled. They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. That's an interesting verse. 
the day will come when they, well, who's they? He's talking about people that are in the Christian community. He's talking about people that are in the faith, so, so to speak. But what has happened, they have moved away from the main thing. They, they begin to accept the things that the culture is saying is okay. Well, if we're not careful, the church can begin to coast and begin to drift and get off course. Get off course with preaching the word. So when Paul wrote to Romans, he addressed some very serious issues in the church because there was immorality in the church that needed addressing. And so he in the church, Paul was tough when it came to people who walk with Jesus and they ought to know or understand. On the other hand, Paul would go out of his way to reach someone that wasn't in the faith yet. And he would begin at their level, much like Jesus did as he walked on this earth. Jesus was a master evangelist. Jesus knew how to take a conversation that was common, ordinary, small talk, and begin to guide it into spiritual truth, eternal things. He talked often in parables to help people under, relate to, they could relate to a seed in the sower. That was what many of them were doing. They could relate to the, to the farmer farming and to the oxen that fell in the well. They could relate. And so as it comes down to preaching the gospel, the preacher needs to understand who his people are. And I mentioned a few months ago about the old logging camps. I think I mentioned something about a revival that took place many, many years ago in northern Minnesota. And there were a couple of individuals that were rather, you probably wouldn't want to meet them in a back alley somewhere if you were on their bedside. But they had been touched by the Lord and they had a burden to reach the camps and the logging camps. Tough men. Crude in their language. They would carry their Bible and they carry their books, their song books, and walk miles to these camps. And one particular leader would, would know that he would if, if he didn't take control of the meeting, they would. And so, for example, he had to take one guy and throw him in the, whatever, out in the snowbank. It was just because he was in an environment. When God came down in those camps, and many were saved and converted to the point where the oxen and the mule or the horses didn't know how to respond anymore to their commands because they weren't used to what they were saying. They were used to hearing curse words. That ought to get us excited. 
knowing the people, knowing whom you are speaking to. Jesus was a master of declaring the things of God. And Paul's letter, often read, we read it, we got to understand the setting. We need to understand what, what is, what, why is he saying this at this time? There will be people, as we read, who only want to hear what they want to hear. Tickling ear, we call tickling ears. And so they will accumulate, and this is, I think this will escalate in the, in the latter days more so than before, because previous chapter, chapter 3, Paul mentioned about in the last days, men will love pleasure rather than love God. But I'm here to declare that it's the good way the old way that the Lord established, if we continue in the things we've learned, Paul says to Timothy, if you continue, if you keep with the word, if you stick with the truth that even your mother and your grandmother taught you, you're going to lead others to Jesus. And so, verse 5, but you... Be sober in all things. Endure hardships. Endure hardship. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. What a, what a powerful verse it is. As Paul said to Timothy in another place, I think it was the first letter, he has not given us a spirit of timidity. I didn't say humidity. I said timidity, timidness, shyness. In other words, where do we get our boldness? Where do we get our confidence to speak or to live or to say no? It comes from God. It comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. It comes, it comes from the helper. And as they tarried in Jerusalem in the early church and they were in deal with the power of the Holy Spirit, that's where the church needs to stay, keep tearing, keep seeking the things of God, keep pressing into the things that God has. God understands the culture today. Amen? God understands how people think and why they think that way. And I believe he, the Holy Spirit, no one's a match God, the Holy Spirit, especially if someone's praying. And I've said it. I heard it somewhere. There are some, some nuts that are harder to crack than others. I don't know. It just, but deep down, many times inside of a hard, hardened person, there's a soft spot that they will, they would break and cry like a baby. When Jesus comes, that can happen. And so what Paul is saying, I'm, I'm on my way out, Timothy. I, the Lord is, is, I'm going to soon see the Lord, verse 6, for I'm already being poured out as a drink off. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. So this fight or this war, this battle, this spiritual battle that you and I are in, it's a good fight. Why is it a good fight? Because if we can 
helped someone come to Jesus, we've built, we've helped further the kingdom by the Lord. I finished the course. This is one of my, all of, one of those favorite verses of mine. This, and all, the thought of finishing the course. How many want to come to the end of your life and say, you know what? I have no regrets. I've run well. I did my best. That's a good goal. And it's not saying that we're going to be perfect. Not saying that we're going to have days where we are weary and worn and, and we seem like nothing is happening. Fighting the good fight is not in the flesh. It's not done in our flesh. As you soak in the presence of Jesus, you get tuned in. How do I put it? You get dialed in. In the old days, them old radios, you couldn't hardly, you know, you had to tune them, fix them, dial them, get the aerial up. And everything. You, guys, you guys are too young. You, know. you just had to, you got to get dialed in. And there's no shortcuts. God is not a quick stop. Fix it. It's not his method. It's not his ways. It's those who wait upon me. And it's worth it. Your children will see it in you as parents. Your children will learn the value of who Jesus is. There will be people in the last days that will even appear good. They will appear as though they have it all together. Jesus said something to the effect for those who prophesied in his name and did all these things. It's challenging because he said, I never knew you. What's going on there? We have to crucify the flesh and allow the Holy Spirit. We're just a clay, earthen vessel. We're an instrument. As we offer ourselves to him and say, Lord, I know I can't do this. That's a, that's a good thing. When you're having trouble in somewhere, temptation, struggling somewhere, first thing we need to do is not try to argue our way, not try to convince God with excuses, but say, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty. I'm a sinner. I need you. And then you, and the Lord said, that's what I need to hear. And he moves in on that. That's drawing near to him. Finishing strong doesn't mean that we have had led a perfect life. Finishing strong means we have looked to a perfect God. We have trusted in the one. We know our weakness. 
Paul's looking past his situation. This is key. This is huge. Right now, some of you folks are going through things that's, that's testing you. And one of the ways that the church was able to get comfort was to look past today and look into the future of heaven awaits those who love. As Paul says in the future, verse 8, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, not only to me, but also to all those who love this period. Now, I very seldom ever think about a kind of a reward, I don't know. It's just, I, I, think, well, I just want to see Jesus. I just want to be with Jesus. The reward is going to be that we are with Jesus. And we shall be like him. What does that mean? We shall have an eternal body. Ooh. All of a sudden this life is Okay. We're going to have pains. We're going to have setbacks. We're going to have problems. I used to think, well, the older I get, it'll get easier, and you know, it'll just kind of get, kind of, just enjoy and just, you know, wrong. Wrong. Oh boy! You know what's happening to you and I? We're getting tested. As you grow in the Lord, the Lord will test you again. Just as soon as you thought you... It's, a, it's not one big battle, it's one little battle after another. One, little, one thing, it's one thing. <laughs> but there is a future. I think some of you understand this. You want to finish strong. That's a good thing. Paul's desire was to leave the church with a young man who had a heart after God. And so long as that leader would keep himself in the love of God, keep close to his God, then the church would be able to be ministered, be fed, be directed, be encouraged in the right direction. But if one comes in who has other things other than the Lord, it can be destructive, it can be divisive. Well, you know what I'm talking about. You wouldn't leave your kid with, with, with a babysitter and who you wouldn't, you didn't know, you didn't know if you trust them, right? That's what he's talking about. There are going to be some that are going to come in and look good, but they're ravenous wolves. You know, wolves in sheep's clothing, so to speak. So time needs to pass. But we, the word is, we earn the right Now we talk about evangelism. I used to get so, so paranoid. The youth group. We're going to go door to door. 
Oh, boy. And I do something else. And it was like, ah, I can't talk to strangers. You know, God goes, you go door to door, you go door to door. But I have found for me, I got I to gotta get to know the person. I got to know who, who I, I'm talking to. I got to know what makes their, what's their passion. I got to, I got to hear what, what they're going through. And I don't want to come across as, as I'm going to fix you. That don't work. You do love the person as they are. You listen, you be their friend. You, you, be, you be there and you hear. And, and maybe the Holy Spirit gives you and the word is to say something short and, and little by little they begin to see the light of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? It's something that you can't rush. God is patient. Now, Barlett Peterson, I mentioned his, he's an uncle. I listened some some time ago, and he had given a he gave me a bunch of his books. He gave me some of his cassette tapes that he had some of his lectures to other pastors. And I'm sitting here listening, and this is making this is you know he's deep, but then he'd say things. Don't drive the nail clear through the board. Well, now that now you're talking my language. I can understand what he's meant was. Don't force the gospel. Don't drive the nail clear through. Do the work of an evangelist. There's work in evangelism. There's work. Work The work is where you are living your life in an environment, in a workplace or a community where you have relationships happening. Isn't it interesting? Every, everywhere you look in scriptures, it's all about relationship with God and relationship with neighbor. Right? Well, Jesus was challenged, what's the greatest commandment? Love God, love your neighbor. When your neighbor is watching you, Maybe as in my situation, wasn't so excited that a pastor was moving next door. You heard this. But this neighbor began to warm up to us. It especially helped if I would plow a little snow or do something as a good neighbor. Do an act of kindness without them asking. It gets to be really fun. How do we evangelize? Is it something you do? Well, it can be. But evangelism has to do, what does it look like? It, it, it's something of the matter of the heart. Do I care about people that are lost? 
And if I care about them, Lord, help me to love them, even if I don't necessarily agree and probably don't agree with their lifestyle. Can I see the potential through Christ? And so, I look at 1 Peter 4, 8, and we read along, we go, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Oh, boy. Keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. I can't take away anyone's sin. I can't fix anyone. I need to be patient with people that aren't there yet. And maybe as our district superintendent at one time, Clarence St. John would put 10 circles on, on the board and he, he'd say, maybe someone, this is your community. You have, a, you have the church, you have people that are strong and then it goes out from there and maybe you move that person in one more into the circle, closer. Helped us see. And he would say this to the pastors sometimes you could shine the light too bright. Sometimes we're too. You got to know when to speak and not to speak. The instant in season and out of season. There are times when it just seems the door opens wide open and God's just speak. You may not even know what you said after you spoke. But you know the Lord was giving you the word. Or you felt this compassion for someone in spite of their rebuke, or in spite of their resistance, you still felt the compassion and said, you know what, Lord? Show yourself to them anyway. The love of God, it is the love of God in Romans that talks about the love of God that compels, that brings people to repentance. People hear enough all the time about how bad they are, how, how worthless they are, how, how they're never going to turn out. They hear that all the time, even in the families around our, uh, not in the church, it shouldn't be. Friends, Jesus was a friend to sinners. He loved to reach the people who were outcast with Samaritan's woman, the Samaritan woman who was, who was couldn't believe that a, a Jewish man was talking to her. And after the conversation, she ran back to her village saying, I have met a man. heart was changed, and as a result, that entire community was turned upside down for Jesus. One man, one woman, evangelizing. Psalmist said, dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord 
He will give you the desires of your heart. The desires of your heart will be like God's desires because if you delight yourself in the Lord, what am I saying? If you delight yourself in the Lord, His desires start to become your desires. That's a great way to look at it. Evangelism starts, first of all, it starts at our home. Right? It starts at our home. You show love to your family. You show, and let me say this, sometimes your family are the hardest, it's the hardest to evangelize. Why is that? It's the way, that's, it's just life. And so sometimes when you feel like you can't reach a family member, I'll pray this, Lord, send someone. Put someone else, right? You feel like you can't, you're not, not going to reach them. You pray that someone else they will listen to. I believe we can pray that with all our heart. Because bottom line is you want that person to know who Jesus is. Bottom line, I believe, is this. When people sense you genuinely love them, number one, you will earn the right. They will respect what you have to say. And so what we're trying to do is build bridges, build inroads, build respect into people's lives. Will that mean it will always work? No. Will that mean it was, we failed if we didn't bring him to Christ? No, that doesn't mean we failed. What Paul went, as he wrote to the church of Corinth, was someone planted, someone watered, and God gave the growth. So we just keep on. We keep believing what's the most important when it all comes as Paul described. He finished strong. He could say what's the most important thing, that I fought the good fight. I kept the faith. He kept the faith. He kept the faith when you were even in trial. You kept the faith when you didn't see your prayers necessarily always turning out the way you want. You kept the faith when you didn't see people come to Christ. When you, you kept the faith when you were feeling maybe weary. And this story out of the old Testament, I got I to gotta tell you, I got to tell you a little bit. I, this was so, this was comical. Wednesday night, and forgive me, uh, Vern, if you're listening. <laughs> um, I don't think he'll mind. It, it was, it was, it's just like, let's all turn to Second Colossians. Okay, he meant Second Chronicles, right? But so, what I'm saying leading up to this is, people don't have to know. I'm talking about unchurched people who are unfamiliarized with the word. They don't have to know chapter and verse. They don't have to know. They, it's okay. But if it's speak, you're speaking out of your heart, all you need to say, well, you know what the Bible says, or I've come to believe what is truth in the Scripture. You don't, 
You don't have to bog them down with a lot of doctrine. Just say it in your natural way of saying it. If you say, don't drive the nail clear to the board, well, then if you, that's a person that gets it, it's like my friend said, I get to this knot, and when I get to this knot hole, he's a carpenter. What is he, I'm going to get to this COVID. I'm going to get through this knot hole. He under, you understand that. It's the, the truth. Now, Joseph was a king. He was absolutely terrified. Two enemies ganged up on his people. They were shaken in their boots. They were afraid, this is it. King Jehoshaphat turned to the Lord, sought the Lord. As a result, the prophet, a prophet of God, stands up, speaks the instruction, gives them a word from the Lord, and says, this is what you guys need to do. Don't fight in this path. Stand, station yourself, and give me praise. Put the worship team on the front of the battlefield, on the front of the army, and now, as they begin to worship me, I'm going to take care of the enemy. Sure enough. As God says in that portion of the word, the battle belongs to me. The battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. And so how do we fight this good fight? How do we keep strong in the, till the end? It is this very thing knowing God is in control. And the day will come when he will bring judgment. And one of my favorite songs my mother would sing was, What a day that will be. When my Jesus I shall see and I look upon his face. The one who saved me by his grace. He takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day. What a day. We don't have to know it all right now. We don't, we're not going to understand all things as why they are. As Jesus was trying to talk to his disciples and trying to explain to them what he was going to leave them, they were distraught, they were troubled, they were fearful. But he says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me and my Father's house. There are many mansions, there are many places that were not so I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. That's good news for us. That's that's where life really begins. And so I mentioned I would share a story about my uncle in conclusion, and I'll share this brief little story. Quite a few years ago, probably all of 35, something like that, Carrie and I were starting out in ministry, and we were somehow able to be with Bartlett. He was in Springfield, Missouri. He had we had heard that he had got sick. He had something, kind of a cancer thing going on in his back. He had always been a strong, tall. He loved horses. He loved, he loved to work with and ride horses. He, he grew up on a farm. And he broke horses when he was a young man. He used to uh, break horses and get them to, to ride, so I heard. And so 
he came down with his pain and landed in the hospital. Several weeks or months went by. He was getting worse. God wasn't healing him. And this is another thing we have to leave in the Lord's hands. I believe with all my heart, God's a healer, and he absolutely can do that. No problem. And so as we were uh, around the family in, in Springfield, Missouri, at the time, the stories begin to circulate amongst the family. His wife uh, had saw this small slender dove in the yard, and she relayed that story uh, to her husband Bartlett, and he goes, I saw that dove in a dream. Okay. Some other interesting things happen. Uh, he, Bartlett had mentioned about one time he had a dream or vision of, of many rooms of many colors, and he believed it was heaven. He thought maybe the Lord was healing him, but I think the Lord was just beginning to reveal heaven, some of the things in heaven. Um, my own mother, I think, even had something to that effect of mentioning seeing many, many color, colors that you don't have here. It's just hard to imagine. And so as we were with Bartlett, at the, I think we were there when he, when he passed, there was one of the uh, grandchildren that was trying to get to the hospital at the moment he was dying, and she saw this bright light. She could see a light over the hospital. If she was the only one that could see it, it probably meant something to, that that was... The Lord was, was, at the time he was dying, it was just seems like the Lord was taking him up. So when Paul talks, I fought the good fight, I finished the course, of, he, he had one letter that he wrote, he said, I don't know what, I, I, sometimes I just want to go to home to be with the Lord. It would be so much better, but yet there are so many that need Jesus. And so he would go back and realize the calling. And so he encouraged friends, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. At this battle right now that you and I are in, this battle, and it happens so much in our homes, sometimes in our daily routines with family, sometimes the battle, we don't even have to get out of the house and we feel the battle. Amen. What is happening in our in our culture today is Satan is, is trying to destroy the family. He's been at that since the garden. He's just trying to get at your kids. He's trying to warp people's minds. He's trying to destroy, take truth and destroy it all over, make it all mixed up so we don't have the absolute truth. It's whatever you make it up as you go along. That's not a foundation. That's a foundation that's fragmented. It's going to be a mess and it's going to collapse. Jesus is the rock. Jesus is here for everyone. Jesus is here for your children and their children. Jesus is good. He has the, he has the, the message that's going to open people's ears and situations. Let's look forward. He's coming soon. Let's roll up our sleeves. Let's be the light. Let's be encouragers. Let's be the ones you've called us to be.
you'll want to stand and sing this last song with chose to just kind of send us out today. Sing it quite often here. Lord, I need you because I've just kind of grabbed onto this song. This is a song that, wow. This kind of always sums it up. Lord, I need you. Maybe that you're in a situation It may be that you need wisdom, how to respond. And so, Lord, so often we just, we don't always have the answers. And so we realize that you have called us to walk by faith and not by sight. When things don't always seem to turn the way we want them to turn, change. Oh, we keep going, stumbling over the same things. We keep coming back to you, Lord. Lord, I come. 